Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz from Walking Dead Now. Want to welcome all of our viewers who are joining us tonight. If you're here for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. And as always, if you haven't already done so, please visit our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe. And if you're there right now, please go ahead and hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. So let's go ahead and welcome some of you guys in here. We have Singer Check, Khaleesi is with us. Kat is joining us tonight. It's good to see you back in here, Kat. Hope you're doing well. AJ is with us on YouTube as well. Uh, let's see, just going down the list, Stone Walkers is with us. On Facebook, we have Sonia. Justin is also with us. Xanders is back with us on YouTube. Jennifer and John Wesley are joining us on, as well. On the Instagram side, Marie is going to be moderating. We have Sweet Red joining us. Fernanda Zoss is with us. Zaphire is giving us a thumbs up. Bob is joining us. MA is also with us. So, like I said, I hope all you guys are enjoying your Saturday, uh, enjoying your weekend. We received a video today from Kat, who is with us tonight on YouTube. I'm going to be sharing that with you guys here in just a few minutes. It's a Daryl and Beth tribute set to Nickelback song uh, called Song of Fire. And of course, and of course Kat's... Uh, Video edits never disappoint. So without further delay, let's just go ahead and check this out. And then we'll proceed with our other announcement. So here it is, guys. Nickelback's Daryl and Beth.
So there you guys have it. Great job, Cat, on the video. And I was just reading some of the chats as that video was playing. And I agree with all you guys' sentiment about missing Beth. And uh, most of all, I miss the relationship that had uh, developed between Beth and Daryl. Brotherly, sibling relationship. And you guys got to remember that when it comes to Beth, she was really more of a background major cast member. I know that's kind of contradictory, but it wasn't until the second half of season four, after prison, after the prison fell and Daryl and Beth were on the road together where their relationship really blossomed. And that's where she really endeared herself to all of our hearts and made her death that much more harder to swallow when she was abducted by the hospital people, by Dawn, and we all know how ruthless uh, Dawn was, and that stupid mistake Beth made that ended up costing her life. She could have just walked away, uh, you know, stepped on over to where Rick and the gang was, but she decided to stab uh, Dawn, and Dawn's reaction was to shoot her in the head, and it happened so quickly. Dawn, you know, let's see, Beth stabbed Dawn, Dawn kills Beth, Daryl kills Dawn, all in a matter of about, what, two, three seconds? Everything just went down, bam, bam, bam. Anyway, great video, Cat, as always. Uh, Kat says, uh, Beth brought out the more sensitive side of Daryl, and Daryl brought out some Beth badassness that he didn't, that did not get a chance to fully develop. I absolutely agree with that. CC Wheezy on YouTube writes, I always wonder what did those people, uh, hit Beth with the car like they had ran over Carol. Talking about the hospital people? You know, I don't know, but I guarantee you if uh, the people that decided to remain back in the hospital because Rick gave a chance to anybody that wanted to join them, they are free to leave the hospital now and come and join them. But besides Noah, nobody else went. But I'm pretty sure that if uh, they were to go back and visit that hospital, they're more than likely all dead by now, you know? That's my guess. Uh, they're not still surviving in that hospital so many years later on. I want to welcome Alicia, who's uh, with us on Facebook, as is Corey. Uh, welcome to you guys. Uh, Junior James is also with us on YouTube as well. So anyway, I actually had some free time today, uh, which is kind of rare. But, you know, so I opened up Photoshop and I was going to have a little, you know, have a little bit of fun. I always like to, you know, tune up my Photoshop skills. And I posted a picture. Let me show you the guys the picture if you haven't already seen it. Uh, here it is. Okay. The Walking Dead Secret Love Triangle. Randrone. Okay. Andrea, Michonne, and Rick. And it was just me having some fun. And, <laughs> uh, well, apparently a lot of people did not like this. Uh, you know, there was a, a lack in the uh, sense of humor department in regards to a lot of people. In fact, one user on Instagram said, ah, gross, and then put up an emoji of them throwing up and then unfollowed. I'm like, bye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. But come on, man. It's, it's funny. You know, I'm like, let me have a little bit of Photoshop fun. And Randrone. I think that sounds pretty kick-ass. You know, the secret, the Walking Dead's secret love triangle between Andrea, Michonne, and Rick. And there's a reason why Michonne's in the middle. You know, Rick is not the center point of this love triangle that never happened. 
You know, there's a reason. Michonne is the uh, tip of the spear here when it comes to this, you know, supposed love triangle between herself, Andrea, and Rick. <laughs> that would have been a story. That would have been a story. But, of course, Rick and Michonne did not hook up till, you know, three seasons after uh, Andrea Andrea's death on the show came. So, anyway, it was just some fun. But I was really surprised at that one reaction on Twitter where a person says, oh, gross, unfollowed. I'm like, bye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. <laughs> I was just having some fun. Uh, Xander's writes, that's what makes it so funny. Oh, summer, summer, summer. You know, it's... Uh, you know, I'm not breaking up Rishon Summer, so it's nothing to get upset about. I'm just adding to Rishon, right? You can't go wrong there by adding to Rishon, you know, throwing Andrea into the mix. Remember, in the comic books, Andrea and Rick are the couple. They're the main deal. All the way, you know, for a while, up until the Whisperer War, it's Rick and Andrea they are the ones that are running Alexandria. You know, of course, in the TV show, it got a little different. Uh, Andrea died sooner than expected. And we got Rishon. So, anyway, just a little bit of Photoshop fun there. Uh, Stone writes, this photo gives Summer nightmares. Stop scaring her, Viz. Cat uh, writes, Xandra's song is Song on Fire by Nickelback. Alicia is laughing on Facebook. Um, Summer writes, the comics had it wrong. <laughs> the comics had it wrong. Oh, boy. All right, let's move on to some news. Uh, kind of a, well, uh, I should stop using the word news. It's not news. These are more blog articles and people sharing their opinion. Uh, but anyway, Here's an article or a blog post somebody wrote of what fans want to see this character, this character in Tales of the Walking Dead. Even though AMC's inaugural Walking Dead series is on its way out, departing with its 11th season, again, they say 2021. It's not. It's 2022. I don't know how many times these people... Need to, I mean, they just don't know the facts. They think 11th season, it'll be over next year. They don't understand that it's being extended over two years. Anyway, the wider The Walking Dead world is due for some expansion. Fear The Walking Dead just entered its sixth season. No sign of slowing. The brand new spinoff, World Beyond, is bringing the coming-of-age genre to the zombie apocalypse. The offshoots don't stop there either. As a series centering around fan-favorite heroes, Daryl Dixon and Carol will make its anticipated arrival in 2023. An anthology series entitled Tales of the Walking Dead is also beginning to pique fan interest. Presented as a series of short stories, Tales promising a Walking Dead experience unlike anything like it before. The show will reportedly highlight adventures of individual characters, both new and old, from episode to episode, stepping away from the, over, from the overarching narratives of the previous programs. This format allows for exploration of characters, major and minor, that never quite got enough time in the spotlight on their own previous series, meaning storytelling possibilities are virtually endless. Naturally, fans are already starting to ponder who might drop in for tales and debating whether or not their preferred background players will get a proper moment to shine. According to uh, a Reddit thread user, one underrated member of the kingdom is pulling ahead in the race for the most in need of a Tales of the Walking Dead solo adventure. 
and the fans are eager to find out more about Diane. As am I. I'm really curious to know about Diane. She's been on the show now since, what, season seven? And she's still around. Uh, she didn't die in this finale. And she's still around. And we just don't know that much about her. Uh, a former soldier in the King Ezekiel settlement, the kingdom, and later the hilltop colony, uh, Carrie Cahill's Diane has proven time and time again that she's the one of the Walking Dead's coolest lower tier protagonists. She's a valuable asset on the battlefield and her loyalty toward her allies is almost unwavering as her resolve. Now over the years she's developed a niche, a niche in fan base of her own despite how little viewers know about her past and how she became the stoic protector that she is. These attributes make her a perfect candidate for some uh, fleshing out in Tales of the Walking Dead. And I absolutely agree with that. I would love to see an episode dedicated to Diane and finding out more about her if we don't get to see that before, you know, in the next coming two years. Uh, you know, a lot of, it goes on to say, a lot of users voiced their admiration for Diane and expressed their desire to see her take center stage in the future. Diane is one of the background characters. I will actually be pissed if she dies. I was so worried in the finale that they were going to kill her. Uh, one user said, another person said, hopefully we get some background info on her in Tales. I want to know what she was doing before all this, since it seems unlikely we'll get any info on her in the final season. Probably won't, but you never know. Uh, a slew of other fans, uh, you know, said, uh, came in with character praise, discussing calling her everything from the MVP to the series all the way to the GOAT. I don't know why they would call her the GOAT. Such claims are difficult to dispute, even though she's rather low on the totem pole in terms of story significance. She endures kicking butt every step of the way. Getting an episode or two dedicated to her when Tales gets underway would go a long way in establishing the show as a worthwhile addition to the canon. So, I don't think many of you would disagree. Uh, we don't know much about Diane for you to say you don't like her. But from what we've seen, there's plenty of stuff to say that she is loyal. She's a great fighter. And she is somebody that you would want on your side if you're going to war. Whether it be it with the Saviors or the Whisperers like we saw in this past season. So... Let's see, uh, Stone Walker writes, I want to know what happened to the lady who killed the governor. She, like I said, more than likely is dead as well, but you never know. Sheila B. says, uh, talking to Justin, it's easy to get hooked. I've been busy and haven't made a stream in a couple of weeks. Uh, let's see, what else is going on? CC Weezy writes, Tara's sister killed the governor. She was killed by walkers, Stone Walker. Uh, did she? I don't remember. I don't remember seeing her. We see her kill the governor by standing over him and putting a bullet in him. But I'm not remembering her getting overrun and taken down by walkers. But that could be just my memory. But I'm, I don't remember that. Summer writes, Shane was greedy. He wanted what Rick had, and Rick should have gave it to him because something better was waiting. Lindsay Sparks on Facebook writes, yes, would love to see a backstory for Diane. Khaleesi says, Viz, they did not show it, but Tara told Glenn. Okay, that would make sense because, okay, yeah, that makes sense. 
Tara was, uh, after the governor took down the prison and he was killed, Tara was the only one still standing and she had locked herself in the cage just outside the prison, which is where Glenn came across her. That's when Glenn went in, found her, checked her gun, saw that she had not fired a single bullet, asked for her help, and the rest is history when it comes to Tara. We all know, you know, what kind of a, what kind of a major character she turned out to be. Uh, Justin writes, I wish Shane could have lasted a bit longer, really liked his character a lot, as did I. And the rumors have it, I think they're more than just rumors, that John Bernthal, who played Shane, is going to appear in the Rick Grimes movies. Obviously, it's going to be some sort of a flashback because he's dead, just like he flashed back in Rick's final episode, season 9, episode 5. But we are going to be seeing Shane again. And it's always great to see John back on the screen portraying the character of Shane Walsh. That's exciting. Cat writes, Aha, Michonne, love your theories. You crack me up so much. But I gotta say, I agree. Even though I kind of felt sorry for Lori when she died. Come on, guys. Let's show Lori some love. Lori was... Uh, I don't know the right word. But I did not hate Lori. I can't say I was in love with the character. But I liked Lori. I really did like Lori. And to some degree, Shane played her. Now, whether you want to blame Lori for getting played, all right. I mean, she had her son she had to worry about. She got pregnant with Shane's child. So, you know, she went through a lot of stuff as well. Khaleesi writes, I did not hate Lori either. So, Summer writes, she cheated on my boo. She thought he was dead, according to Shane. She just really believed him and didn't really question it. And she, I guess when the world is falling apart around you, not much reason to question it. Uh, Jason writes, the governor was better looking than Shane. Sorry, my UK bias. David Morrissey against John Bernthal. All right. Uh, David Morrissey is British. Uh, <laughs> but okay, you know. Uh, Justin also writes, I think Shane breaking the barn door open on Herschel's farm was one of the best sequences of the series. And as I've stated before, that sequence is what made me a diehard Walking Dead fan. I was enjoying the show very much, but that sequence in the mid-season finale of season two, when Shane went, you know, all crazy, broke down that door is where I'm like, all right, we've got some good stuff here. All right, let's move on to the next thing. Fear the Walking Dead Season 6. Is Virginia afraid of the CRM? Though Fear the Walking Dead Season 6 is a little bit behind the Walking Dead and uh, World Beyond. Uh, here we go with these freaking timelines again. In terms of timeline... Some of the shared features overlap enough so, the, so that they could work on all three shows. When it comes to the mysterious military power known as CRM, we have seen them to varying degrees on all three shows, but it seems reasonable to assume that a leader with Virginia's reach would know about the CRM and possibly enough to be concerned about them. I don't know if I quite agree with that. Though not much is known about Virginia's network of communities thus far, we do know that she has people spread all over Texas and surrounding areas. Her network is impressive to say the least, unlike World Beyond's ill-fated campus colony or Alexandria, uh, Virginia people are spread out, and that might be by design. When she determined that Strand would make a good leader and someone who could work to gather an army for her, fans wondered who she might be fighting. Why does she need an army? Well, given what happened in uh, happens in Nebraska, 
It could be that Virginia is bracing for something bigger than anyone realizes. Now, I agree with that, but I don't think it's the CRM. I think it's the people that we've been seeing in the fear trailers, uh, those people who wear the white masks. Uh, I'm pretty sure Virginia is very well aware of them. They are like probably some kind of rebellion force against Virginia, and she's aware of them, and that's why she is building up her army. Now, I really don't think it's the CRM. Anyway, it goes on to say, what does Virginia know about the CRM? When Al let it slip that she'd seen a helicopter back in season five, Virginia's reaction was not one of shock or awe. Rather, she wanted to know more. She clearly knew about the helicopters, but it was unclear exactly what she knew at the time. Fans knew that Al had met one of the CRM soldiers, Isabel, in episode 5 of season 5. And as I've shared before, our executive producer has a fascinating theory about Isabel, who is the CRM soldier that we met on Fear, season 5, episode 5, that Isabel is the world beyond Elizabeth, who's the leader of the CRM, daughter. Because we learned in the uh, series premiere of World Beyond, at least from what Elizabeth said, she could, have been, she could be lying, but she said that her daughter is a soldier in the CRM. Now, wouldn't that be a great way to bring World Beyond and Fear together? If that daughter turns out to be Isabel, uh, who is played by actress Sydney Lemon, that would be a fascinating twist, and I would love to see that. Uh, so anyway, it says, though Isabel remained tight-lipped about her people, she told Al that her people were dangerous and not to be taken lightly. When Virginia realized that Al knew about the helicopters, it looks like she was more than curious. She wanted details. Now the pieces are slowly falling into place. If the CRM's reach is as widespread as we think, from New York to Oregon to Texas, with their fleet of at least five helicopters, they have a lot more than five, then there's no way Virginia and her people haven't seen the CRM soldiers during their travels. It could also explain why Virginia's people are kept in different locations rather than one big community that would be perceived as a threat by the CRM. She's keeping her people spread out while ensuring that they're ready should the time come to take up arms we have seen this before in the Walking Dead franchise. Negan had the same concept. Not everybody, uh, not every savior was at the sanctuary. Negan had several outposts. So this is not really something new. Um, as the world beyond continues to peel away the layers of the nefarious and mysterious CRM, a picture is unfolding that suggests Virginia probably knows more than she's letting on, and she's worried. She believes in her vision for the future, and she wants to make sure her people have a chance to achieve the future she envisions. Staying alive and away from the CRM would be first priority in her mission. What do you guys think about that? Do you think Virginia is aware of the CRM? You think the CRM is aware of Virginia? Do you really think the CRM, which we found out last week on World Beyond, is at least 200,000 people strong, really see someone as uh, Virginia's pioneers as a threat? I don't know, maybe. I mean, why did they take out the, um, the uh, Omaha colony? I still can't figure out why they decided to slaughter a whole colony of people and why Elizabeth uh, referred to them as a threat in the future.
I guess we have to wait and find out. Leah Stone on Facebook writes, no. Sheila B. on YouTube writes, just a small dent. Could have been worse. Um, So, I'm just looking at the chats here. Singer Chick writes, absolutely. I think they know about her. And she's got to do what they want, how they want it done. Uh, Sheila also writes, I think Virginia is very aware CC writes exactly Khaleesi like she was innocent in the situation. Uh, Summer writes, right, I cannot wait to see how it plays out. Neither can I. Sub is with us on Instagram saying, hey, Viz. Hey, Sub, thank you for joining us on Instagram. Uh, So anyway, we have a little final piece here about the world beyond the cast explaining the core group dynamics. We're just going to quickly go over this. Over the first three episodes of The Walking Dead World Beyond, uh, the TV series Core Survivors, Iris, Hope, Elton, Felix, uh, Huck, Silas, have left the safety of the campus to go out into the wider world in search of Dr. Leo Bennett. So far, their shared experience has both tested them and help them grow as companions. And just to give you guys a heads up, I did see the latest episode of World Beyond this past Thursday. Uh, We'll be discussing it on Monday. Don't forget, tomorrow is Sunday. We're not on on Sundays, as long as there is a Walking Dead show on TV. I did see the latest episode of World Beyond. They release it 72 hours early, if you've got AMC+. For fear, uh, we have to wait till Sunday morning. Uh, In fact, midnight tonight, which is in less than two hours, is when fear gets released to AMC+. World Beyond gets released 72 hours earlier. Uh, So anyway, Iris is the group's leader and cares about its members. If you guys remember, Iris is played by Aaliyah Royale. She was a guest of ours several weeks ago. Uh, After learning her father, who is working with the Civic Republic, may be in danger, Iris Iris recruits Hope, Elton, and Silas for her quest. In many ways, she serves as the leader of the group, caring for them and working to make sure everyone survives their potential deadly encounters. And a little heads up, when you guys watch World Beyond tomorrow, we do finally get to see Dr. Leo Bennett. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil it uh, for you, but we do actually get to see their father. Leah Royale, who plays the character, explained, Iris genuinely cares for pretty much every single person that she encounters, She wants to make life better for everyone. A large part of her purpose in terms of following in the footsteps of her father is legitimately like saving the world. What can I do to play my part in helping the world get back to the way it was? Uh, That sounds very much like the quote that she told me. I wonder if I'm reading another article based on the interview that I did. But anyway, so the, uh, the people she encounters mean just as much to her as her father or anyone else would. Uh, when we're going on this trip, we would have no clue what we're doing, where we are going, and all we have to do is trust each other. It creates a whole new bond of family, a whole new bond that really means a lot. When asked about the leader of the group, was uh, Annette, who plays Huck, singled out Iris. Iris is the valedictorian, she said. Like a smart girl in school, then you see her tap into her instincts and her ancient brain, and it's like she's this fierce warrior all of a sudden. However, Annette then also noted a new side of hope would come out in the wildness and that viewers would get to see her true composure and growth as a result of what the group will undergo. 
And that's what's fascinating about World Beyond. And I mentioned this before as well. We all know that they're, they're trying to make an 1,100-mile journey on foot. And uh, we as the viewers of The Walking Dead know what's out there. They have no clue. The characters don't because they've been living behind the safety of the campus colony uh, since they were young. Some were even born there. And uh, on this journey that they're going on to New York State from Omaha, Nebraska, we know that they're going to encounter a lot of crap along the way. A lot of stuff that they are just not prepared for. Uh, Sheila B. writes, uh, Sheila B. likes uh, Hope. Not a big fan of Iris. Uh, they're both intriguing in very different ways. Uh, and in fact, it goes on to say Hope and Iris are opposites, but love each other. Explaining Hope's dynamic with Iris, Alexa Mansour, who plays Hope, explained that the two are complete opposite. Hope is the girl that you will find getting drunk in a locker room. And her sister is the one that will be up studying till four in the morning where Hope would probably be the one partying until four in the morning. But they love each other. I really think they really do balance each other out. Iris, Iris is very protective of Hope and Hope is very protective of Iris in their own ways. Iris will bail Hope out whenever she is sneaking out and doing stuff that she should not be doing and Hope would take a bullet for her sister. For her part, Royale noted that Hope is Iris's best friend, though she mentioned her character is also close with Hal uh, Compton Silas, describing him as a bestie for the restie. And, you know, Silas's character... It's very intriguing. Uh, those who watched last week's episode, we it was a big episode in regards to Silas. And you get to find out a little bit more about him in tomorrow's episode. So you don't want to miss that. Now, it goes on to say, Felix wants to keep everyone safe. Although World Beyond's main characters are mostly teenagers... Felix Carlucci, who is played by Nico Tortorella, is a bit older, taken in by the Bennett family after being turned out by his own as a result of his sexual orientation. Carlucci aims to protect Iris and Hope, even serving as their legal guardian at the, comp at the campus colony while their father is away. He's like in full dad mode all the time with these kids, Tortorella explained. I think that after the first episode, the stakes are at a maximum levels in terms of our safety and our fight for survival. And Felix is one of those that has the most training in terms of any sort of military background that we know of. And he's the one that has to take care of situations and figure out what we're doing and make sure that everyone is safe. So it just goes on to explain with Elton how Huck identifies with Hope. Early in the World Beyond premiere, it becomes clear that Huck, played uh, by Annette Mehandru, likes Hope and is looking out for the troubled, depressed teen. When asked about Huck's dynamic, with other characters, Annette singled out the, that relationship in particular, saying, I think Huck really identifies with Hope. She was a bit of a rebel when she was young. And so they have an older sister type of relationship, and I train her how to fight. I want her to survive out there. I mean, I'm going to send her out there. And so I am responsible for her. And I really believe in her potential. And I feel her pain. I've gone through similar things. And that was Huck's way of responding to that. Kind of just closing off, not wanting to go on. And then Huck overcame that 
and she wants Hope to see that she can do is the same because we're better off with her than without her. So anyway, guys, uh, Justin has to leave. He has to uh, work in the morning. Justin, thank you for stopping by. Hello to Lindsay Sparks on Facebook. Uh, just looking over what you guys are saying. Uh, also on Instagram, welcome to Mason on Instagram, who's just joined us. Uh, so let's get started on tonight's topic, all right? Tonight we're going to be doing a character profile on Denise, Dr. Denise Cloyd from Alexandria, who met her end from Dwight's Arrow. Man, talk about a shocking death. Denise, Denise's death, uh, you know, it, she's just one minute talking to uh, Daryl and Rosita, and the next thing you know, an arrow just shoots right through the back of her head, comes out from the you know her eyeball, and it happens so quick, so fast, so suddenly, that she actually finished out her sentence while the arrow was through her brain. Uh, I mean, shocking is an understatement. Uh, so anyway, uh, Denise is seen anxiously studying medical books at the clinic when Tara and Eugene come in looking for aspirin because Tara has a headache. If you guys remember, Denise was very hesitant to take on the role of being Alexandria's doctor because she was in, she was trained to be a psychiatrist. Um, and she was, you know, asked to do something that she wasn't trained to do pre-apocalypse. But as we said yesterday, doesn't matter. If you got any kind of medical training in the zombie post-apocalyptic world, you're a doctor. She seemed to be reserved and shy with little in the way of self-confidence. We learned that prior to the apocalypse, Denise did go to medical school, but due to panic attacks from all the pressure, she decided to switch to psychiatry instead. Denise is faced with her first challenge when the wolves attack Alexandria and a member of the community named Holly is brought in suffering severe injuries. And do you guys remember that moment where uh, Morgan comes in to see Denise and she has these notes up uh, on how to identify particular symptoms to try to figure out what might be wrong with a person? And Morgan, he goes in for a reason. I forget what. But I think he changes his mind about talking to her about it. But they have this interaction, this nice interaction between Morgan and Denise, where he looks at her notes of uh, her symptoms and he covers one up and he asks her, you know, can you finish out what the symptoms were? Like sort of playfully testing her, you know, to make to kind of boost her self-confidence to tell, you know, give her the confidence she needs to say, hey, you are the doctor now. You you run this place. Uh, Singer Chip says, yep. Leah also says, yeah, yeah. Uh, he needed her help with Owen. That's right. That's right, Singer Chick. He went in for Owen, who he was keeping a secret prisoner at the time. And he was debating whether or not to asked for Denise's help, uh, and that's why he went in to see her. So thank you for reminding me of that. Uh, Tara, Eugene, encourage and show their support for Denise, but she is unable to save Holly, who dies on the exam table. Losing her first patient causes Denise to feel demoralized, and she lashes out at Tara, who, never, who nevertheless does not give up in believing in Denise and continues to encourage her. Although Denise admits she wishes there was somebody else who could take her place, she continues to study and is able to find a way to save her next patient, Scott, 
who had an infection from being accidentally shot in the leg by another member in the community. Relieved and with a renewed sense of confidence, Denise kisses Tara, which sparks the romantic relationship between those two. Now we're going to go into what we just discussed about Morgan and Denise. Uh, he did go into uh, seeking help for Owen. Uh, Owen was the leader of the Wolves, played by Benedict Samuel, also a former guest of ours as well. Uh, things do go wrong, and Denise is taken hostage by Owen. After Owen saves her life, during which he is bitten by a walker, Denise steps up and confidentially tells him that she has the means to save him, asserting Morgan's philosophy that Owen can change and it's not too late for redemption. Unfortunately for Owen, Denise doesn't get the chance to save him because he is shot by Carol and ultimately eaten by a group of walkers. So... Singer writes, ding, ding, she wins the golden buzzer, the buzzer, that's right. You came in with the right answer, uh, Singer. Uh, so let's see, uh, Denise's confidence continues to strengthen when she's uh, in charge of ensuring her patients are safe in the infirmary, infirmary when she is faced with saving a grievously wounded Carl who was shot in the eye in episode 9, Denise remains calm and collected while she works on treating Carl in the midst of the chaos going outside, which is Alexandria being overrun by walkers because that tower collapsed uh, on the wall and the walkers just stormed on in. The walkers were brought to the wall because the wolves attacked Alexandria. So it was a big chain of events that led to a whole bunch of crap going wrong in Alexandria. Uh, she manages to keep from panicking even when Michonne starts to hurry her along. In the aftermath of the Walker invasion on Alexandria, Denise has proven to herself that she is more than capable of performing surgeries under immense pressure and starts to come out of her shell. Now, in the 12th episode of season 6, Tara tells Denise that she loves her before going to the Savior Outpost and then on a planned two-week supply run with Heath. So basically, Tara goes off with Rick and the gang to murder the Saviors. That's when Rick made the deal with Hilltop his biggest mistake, worst decision ever. So that's when Tara goes off with Rick. And then after they took out the outpost is Heath and Tara were going to set out on a couple of week journey to see what's further out in terms of supplies. That's where we last saw Heath, the whole incident on the bridge. Tara gets... Uh, washed up on the shores of Oceanside. They, Oceanside takes her in as a prisoner, um, and Heath is never seen or heard from again. Now, we've, we have all speculated that we might see Heath again in the movies. I hope we do. Uh, but that was the last time we saw Heath. He just disappeared. That was season six and we have not seen him since everyone assumes he's dead and rightfully so we have no idea where he is Lindsay sparks writes i love denise uh leah stone on facebook writes me too uh Lindsay also writes she was very brave andrew is here with us i guess it's kind of my fault andrew you're up Pretty late up in Ireland, but it's good to see you on the uh, live stream, Andrew. So anyway, uh, Tara had wanted Denise to join her, but as Alexandria had no other doctors, Denise felt obligated to stay behind. 
Both women appear to have misgivings about Rick's idea of attacking the Savior outpost, but they don't voice this out loud. And this goes back to what I said before. When Rick decided to attack that outpost, no one checked him. Not even good old Michonne. And uh, no one said, hey, you know what? Let's take a step back before we go into this place and murder a group of unknown people in their sleep based on what we're hearing from the hilltop. In episode 14, following Tara's departure on the supply run and after the Savior Outpost incident, Denise tries to overcome her fear of walkers and the dangers of the outside world by insisting on going on to an apothecary uh, store, which was kind of like a pharmacy and a gift shop. She asks Daryl and Rosita to accompany her and insists to go along with them uh, when they initially did not want to bring her along. We find out that Denise had a twin brother named Dennis who taught her how to drive beaten-up trucks similar to what Daryl drives them in. It's implied Dennis had died sometime early in the apocalypse. Denise also mentions to Daryl that her brother was brave like him, but also angry, to which Daryl makes a comparison to his own brother, Merle. Um, it's clear that Denise looks up to Daryl and sees him as a reminder of her twin brother. She even sides with Daryl over Rosita when they have a disagreement over whether to follow the railroad tracks or not. Uh, there were a few scenes in the episode leading up to this one where Denise uh, shared awkward moments in her interactions with Daryl in a genuine effort to get to know him better. In one of these moments, she had given him an oatmeal cake she had baked, to which he says something like, uh, he hopes it tasted better than it looked. <laughs> Another moment they shared was when Denise asked Daryl if he could bring her back a particular brand of orange soda as a parting gift for Tara. Uh, so anyway, back to the uh, pharmacy run, Denise does freak out when she sees a decaying walker in one of the rooms and a child's shoe in a bloody sink. This is after they had broken into the pharmacy. And Daryl and Rosita were very impressed that Denise had saw this uh, apothecary shop, knew that there would be a pharmacy inside. She was absolutely correct. And they hit pay dirt in far, uh, as far as getting medicine back to Alexandria. Um, now, she was disappointed in herself for showing her weakness in that moment when she runs off and she waits outside the pharmacy while she's on the verge of tears. Rather than questioning Denise, Daryl gently praises her for finding the store as they did find drugs and other medical supplies that they desperately needed. As the three companions make their way back to Alexandria, Denise once again in a desperate need to prove herself that she can be brave like her brother, she decides to take the risk of retrieving a cooler from inside of an abandoned car which had a walker inside. Ignoring Daryl and Rosita's warnings, Denise struggles but manages to kill the walker on her own and proudly shows off one of the cans of orange soda that she finds in the cooler. Daryl is clearly angry that Denise had risked her life over a can of soda, but it was more than just soda for her. It's her wanting to prove to herself more than to Daryl or Rosita that she can take care of herself when, need, when the need does arise. She doesn't need to be ba babysat all the time. Uh, she had confronted her fears and proved herself worthy 
to the most important person she needed to prove worthy to, and that's herself. She admitted that she had asked Daryl to come along because he was brave, just like her brother was. As Denise continues to make her case heard, she is suddenly shot through the back of the head with a crossbow. And of course, that's Dwight. That's how we started this conversation. And again, we see Dwight. This is now, this is an important scene in regards to Dwight because this is the first time that we see Dwight again after he initially met Daryl. Um, in the woods, Daryl was going to help him. Dwight and Sherry changed their mind about running away from Negan. They went back. And now we get to see Dwight again, and half his face is burned off. Okay? And we know why that happened. That was Negan's punishment for them trying to run away and coming back to them. And a whole bunch of stuff unfolded in that scene. Remember uh, that Abraham and Eugene run across him on those railroad tracks. That's when Eugene was on his knees and he bit. uh, I'm trying to find a a best way to put this, but I'm going to say it just like Abraham said it. You know, he called him like the best dick biter or, you know, that he has ever seen because that's what Eugene did. He bit Dwight's dick. And that allowed Abraham, that caused enough of a distraction for Abraham to spring into action and, you know, the saviors ran away. But one of Eugene's, you know, without a doubt, shiniest moments, uh, it earned Abraham's respect for Eugene a little bit. Uh, He took a bite out of those, you know, he took a bite out of the boys. Dwight went down screaming that allowed Abraham to come in and the saviors went fleeing. But by the end of the day, Denise was dead. And Cat uh, writes it, it wasn't a great time to try to prove herself. And I think Denise made a foolish decision in the apocalyptic world. She was loud and wasting time. What if she attracted a walker horde with the noise? That's a good point. What if she also led Dwight and the Saviors to them as well? But she was frustrated. She wanted to make a point on how lucky uh, Daryl and Rosita should feel, you know? So anyway, that was a classic moment in The Walking Dead that's never going to be forgotten. We lost Denise, Eugene and his dick biting, Abraham to the rescue, But like I said, at the end of the day, we did lose Denise. And uh, at the end, I just want to say before we go, at the end of season six, when Carl and Rick are carrying Maggie to Hilltop as they're being surrounded by the saviors on all sides, and they decide to use that distraction technique, have Eugene ride the RV and have them walk in the woods, What Carl says to his dad just before the saviors show up is that Carl says to Rick that we are not going to let happen what we are not going to let happen to what happened to Denise ever happen again. And right then and there, pretty much very much very soon after he said that you heard the whistling, the saviors showed up and Carl was dead wrong. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight. We are out of time. Tomorrow is Sunday. We'll be back on the air Monday night. Enjoy the shows tomorrow. We got Fear of the Walking Dead. You got The Walking Dead World Beyond. I'll be back here Monday night so we can break down both those shows. Visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com. Visit our YouTube channel, which is called Walking Dead Now. Please go ahead and subscribe if you're there right now. Please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. It's been a pleasure as always. And until Monday night, guys, stay walking.